beginning with the 16th verse. Then someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother also. You shall have love for your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I've kept all these. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. And from the sixth chapter of Matthew, the 19th verse, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. You still out there with me? Good, good, good. It's great to have you all in the house. It's great to have those of you who are online with us, worshiping with us. And whether this is your first time, your 120,000th time, whatever time it is that you have with us this morning, remember that when you're a good shepherd, you are family and a part of it. Even if this is your first time, welcome to the family. So we're glad to have you here. We're glad to have you worshiping with us. Please comment with us uh, if you're online so that we may know that you're here, that you have prayer requests for, for this week that we'd like to keep in mind. And again, if you're in the house, feel free to shout out. Today's the last of our uh, messages from God for a while from our, as we're telling them through some time-honored stories uh, from children's literature. The stories have been connected by one scriptural thread, which is the verse that's found in three, or four, uh, three of four of our Gospels. And in Luke's Gospel it reads, But Jesus called for them and said, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. God's heart belongs to children. God's children. And all persons are beloved children of the Most High God, whether they know it or they believe it or not. Our human understanding does not dictate God's ability to love us just as we are created. God is faithful in God's unconditional love for us and demonstrates that love through ordinary and extraordinary ways on life's journey. We experience God's faithfulness as we allow ourselves to to become characters within these stories that we've read and we see how God reveals God's self to us through the actions of others. Now, let us not become too cynical or too think too highly of ourselves or we fail to hear that voice of the one who created us, the one who calls us into relationship for relationship to be in relationship with God and with others along life's journey. Again, today we're being invited to listen as children listen and to discern how God is calling Good Shepherd UMC to see the people in our community as we build relationships with them through the lessons taught within the story. 
We're learning how to be in relationship and, and how to share our blessings and our stories with one another. As we connect our stories with the stories of, of each other and with our successes and with our failures, it is through these connections that our relationships are built and discipleship is increased. Now, three of Max Licato's stories, You Are Special, The Children of the King, and Because I Love You, taught us about self-worth and, and that this self-worth is, worth is found in the love of God and the love that God has for us and not in what others think about us. They, they demonstrated the lessons that, that God wants to be with us and use in these ordinary aspects of our life and that God searches for us even before we know we are in need of God. God acts simply out of God's love for us. Now last week we heard Oscar Wilde's The Selfish Giant and we discovered that selfishness leads to disaster and that selflessness leads to paradise. We heard how Christ living in us can change our hearts, our perspectives, and our actions. Today we will finish this sermon series with Jeff Brumbaugh's The Quiltmaker's Gift. May we hear God's message in today's story. May it renew our innate sense and connection to our Creator. May we once again hear as children hear, see as children see, without bias and prejudice and through the eyes of the one who created each of us. There was once a quilt maker who kept a house in the blue misty mountain up high. Even the oldest great-great-grandfather could not recall a time when she was not up there sewing away day after day. Here and there and wherever the sun warmed the earth, it was said she made the prettiest quilts anyone had ever seen. The blues seemed to come from the deepest part of the ocean, the whites from the northernmost snows, the greens and the purples from abundant wildflowers, the reds and oranges and pinks from the most wonderful sunsets. Some said there was magic in her fingers. Some whispered that her needles and cloth were gift of the bewitched. And still others said the quilts really fell on earth from the shoulders of passing angels. Many people climbed her mountain, pockets bursting with gold, hoping to buy one of the wonderful quilts. But the woman would not sell them. I give my quilts to those who are poor or homeless, she told all who knocked on her door. They are not for the rich. On the darkest and coldest nights, the woman could make her, would make her way down the mountain to the town below. There she would wander the cobblestone streets until she came upon someone sleeping outside in the chill. She would then take a newly finished quilt, wrap it around their shivering shoulders, tuck them in tight, and tiptoe away. Then the very next morning, with this steaming cup of blackberry tea, she would begin a new quilt. Now at this time, there also lived a very powerful and greedy king who liked nothing better than to receive presents. The hundreds and thousands of beautiful gifts he got for Christmas and his birthday were never enough. So he passed a law that the king would celebrate his birthday twice a year. When that was still enough, not enough... He ordered his soldiers to search the kingdom for those few people who had not given him a gift. 
Over the years, the king would come to own almost all the prettiest things in the world. Throughout the castle, from top to bottom, in drawers and on shelves, in boxes and trunks and closets and sacks, all of the king's countless things were stashed. Things that shimmered and glittered and glowed, things whimsical and practical, things mysterious and magical. Many, many things that the king kept a list of all the things that he owned. And yet, with all these marvelous treasures to enjoy, the king never smiled. He was not happy at all. Somewhere there must be one beautiful thing that would finally make me happy, he was often heard to say. And I will have it. One day a soldier rushed into the palace with news about the magical quilt maker who lived in the mountains. The king stamped his foot. And how is it that this person has never given me one of her quilts as a gift? She only makes them for the poor, your majesty. And she will not sell them for any amount of money. Well, we'll see about that, the king roared. Bring me a horse and a thousand soldiers, and they set off in search of the quilt maker. But when they arrived at her house, the quilt maker merely laughed. My quilts are for the poor and needy, and I can easily see that you are neither. I want one of those quilts, the king demanded. It might be the one thing that will make me happy. The woman thought for a minute. Make presents of everything you own, she said, and I'll make a quilt for you. With each gift that you give, I will sew another piece. When at last all your things are gone, your quilt will be finished. Give away all my treasures, she cried, the king cried. I don't give away things away, I take them. And with that, he ordered his soldiers to seize the beautiful star quilt from the quilt maker. But when they rushed upon her, she tossed the quilt out the window and a great gust of wind carried it up, up, and away. The king was now very angry. He marched the woman down through the town and up another mountain where he had his royal iron makers shape a thick bracelet of iron and they chained her to the rock in the cave of a sleeping bear. Once more the king asked her for a quilt and once more she refused. Very well then, the king replied, I'll leave you here and when the bear awakens I'm sure he will make a very fine breakfast of you. Later, when the bear opened, the eyes opened and he saw the woman in the cave, he stood on his mighty hind legs and gave a roar that rattled her bones. She looked up to him and sadly shook her head. It's no wonder you're grouchy, the quilt maker said. You've nothing but rocks on which to rest your head at night. Bring me an armful of pine needles and with my shawl I will make you a big pillow. And that is what she did. No one had ever seen so had been so kind to the bear before, so he broke the iron bracelet and asked her to spend the night. Now, although the king was very good at being greedy, he was very bad at being mean. All the night he, he would not sleep for thinking about the poor woman in the cave. Oh my, oh my, what have I done, he wailed. So he woke up, with his, he woke up his soldiers and they all marched in their pajamas up to the cave to save her. But when they arrived, the king found the quilt maker and the bear having breakfast of berries and honey. And again, skipped a page, sorry. Now the king completely forgot about feeling sorry and became angry all over again. He ordered the royal island makers to build an island barely big enough for the woman to stand on her tiptoes. Once again, again the king asked her for a quilt, and once again she said no. 
Very well, the king replied. Tonight, when you're all too tired to stand and lie down to sleep, you'll drown. And the king left her alone on the tiny island. Shortly after he left, the quilt maker saw a sparrow flying across the great lake. A cold, fierce wind was blowing, and it did not look like a poor bird would make it to shore. The quilt maker called to him, and he stopped to rest on her shoulder. The poor, tired sparrow was shivering, so the woman quickly made him a coat from scraps of her purple vest. When he was warmed and the wind had stopped, the bird flew off, and he was so grateful to the quilt maker for what she had done. Soon the sky darkened, and the air filled with a huge cloud of sparrows, Thousands of wings beating together, they swooped down, lift the woman in their beaks, and carried her safely to shore. Again that night, the king could not sleep for the thinking about the woman alone on the island. Oh my, oh my, what have I done, he moaned. So he woke up his sleepy soldiers again, and they marched in their pajamas down to the lake to set the, women, the woman free. But when they arrived, she was sitting on a tree limb, sewing tiny purple coats for all the sparrows. I give up, the king shouted. What must I do for you to give me a quilt? As I said, the woman answered, Give away all the things you own, and I'll sew a quilt for you, and with with each gift you give, I'll add another piece to your quilt. I can't do that, cried the king. I love all my wonderful, beautiful things. But if they don't make you happy, the woman replied, What good are they? That's true, the king sighed, and he thought about what she had said for a long, long time. So long weeks went by. Oh, all right, he finally muttered. If I give a gift away, if I must give away my treasures, then I must. The king went into his castle and searched from top to bottom for something he could bear to give away. Frowning, he finally came out with a single marble. But the boy who received it smiled so brightly in return, the king went back for more things. Eventually, he brought out a pile of velvet coats and went around the town, giving them to people dressed only in rags. And and they were so pleased that they marched up and down the street in a grand parade. Still, the king did not smile. Next, the king fetched a hundred waltzing blue Siamese cats and a dozen, dozen fish that were in a clear glass. Then the king ordered his his merry-go-round with real horses to be brought out. Children cried with delight and cartwheeled around him. And just the smallest of smiles began to show on the king's face. The king looked about him and saw the dancing and merrymaking and the happiness his gifts had brought. A child took hold of his hand and pulled him into the dance. And the king really smiled and even laughed out loud. How can this be, he cried. How can I feel so happy about giving my things away? Bring everything out. Bring it all out at once. Meanwhile, the quilt maker kept her word and started making a special quilt for the king. With each gift that he gave, he added another piece to his quilt. She added another piece to his quilt. So the king kept on giving and giving. When at last there was no one left in town who had not received something, the king decided to go out into the world and find others who might be in need of his gifts. But before he left, the king promised the quilt maker he would send a sparrow back to her each and every time he gave something away. Morning, noon, and night, the wagons rolled out of town, each piled high with the king's wonderful things. And for years and years, messengers brought messenger sparrows flew to the quiltmaker's windowsill as the king slowly emptied his wagons, trading his treasures for smiles around the world.
On and on the quilt maker worked, and piece by piece the king's quilt grew more and more beautiful. Finally, one day, a weary sparrow flew into her window and perched on her needle. She knew then and there that it was the last messenger, so she put a final stitch in the quilt and started down the mountain in search of the king. After a long search, she finally found him. The king's royal clothes were in tatters and his toes poked out of his boots, yet his eyes glittered with joy as he laughed and with a wonderful and thunderous laugh. The quilt maker unfolded the king's quilt from her bag. It was so beautiful that hummingbirds and butterflies fluttered about. Standing on tiptoe, she tenderly wrapped it around him. What is this? cried the king. As I promised long ago, the woman said, when the day came that you yourself were poor, only then would I give you a quilt. The king's great sunny laugh made green apples fall and flowers turn his way. But I'm not poor, he said. I may look poor, but in truth my heart is filled to bursting, filled with memories of all the happiness I've given and received. I'm the richest man I know. Nevertheless, the quilt maker said, I made this quilt just for you. Thank you, replied the king. I'll take it, but only if you will accept a gift from me. There's one last treasure I have left to give away. All these years I've saved it just for you. And from his rickety, run-down wagon, the king brought out his throne. It's really quite comfortable, the king said, and just the thing for long days of sewing. From that day on, the king often came to the quiltmaker's house in the clouds. By day, the quiltmaker sewed the beautiful quilts she would not sell. And at night, the king took them down to the town. There he searched out poor, the poor and downhearted, never happier and he, when he was giving something away. So, are you a king or a quilter? Where do you find your joy? Where do you find yourself in this story? I suppose if we're truly honest with ourselves, we're both. There are times in our lives when, when giving of ourselves and of our resources away seems easy and the obvious thing to do. Yet all of us can think of times in our lives when it's been difficult for us to, uh, a dis- difficult decision to part with, with things that seem like priceless treasures. Our response comes down to our motivation. What motivates us to give away our possessions? Do we give out of compulsion or expectation? Does the sense of obligation blur the desire for authentic mission and service? When we give because we've been told to or out of expectation to others, these gifts are offered begrudgingly and and without a sense of pleasure. Like when we were children and we went to the birthday party and we had taken our friends something that we really wanted, but we didn't really want to give it away. We've all been there. Sometimes we give because our motivations come from a place within us of pure joy and, and we cannot wait for the recipient to, to receive our gift. We give something away because we want to, simply to, to make another person happy. We receive more happiness from their pleasures in, than we would in keeping the treasure for ourselves. Like when we give our children or our grandchildren something that we, we know they've been waiting for and that they weren't expecting to receive. The motivation of the gift that is what makes the giving take on an authentic and life-changing role. 
When we give of our time, our talents, and our resources out of the the desire to serve or contribute to the greater good, the rewards are greater within us than if we give out of obligation. It's not that the possession itself brings true happiness. The quiltmaker asked the king a powerful question in regard to his treasures. But if they don't make you happy, what good are they? Too often we seek our contentment in things of the world. We surround ourselves with toys, both large and small. We, we seek our identity in our worldly assets and, and fail to measure our wealth by godly standards. We get so caught up in, in the objects that we own that we fail to see the other around us who lacks even the basics of life. Our only response becomes a selfish one of, of wanting more and still not being happy. When the quiltmaker told the king to give away all that he had, if he wanted to receive the one item he did not, the king responded with anger and selfish actions. He lashed out at the one person who could make that desire a reality. He refused to do the one thing that the quiltmaker knew would bring him happiness. When all the king's action failed, he relented. He followed the quiltmaker's suggestion and his perspective on life changed. The, queen, the king felt true joy and happiness for the first time in his life. The king was perplexed by the replacement of his possessions with immeasurable joy. How can I feel so happy about giving my things away? How many times in our own lives have we asked ourselves the same question? How is it that happiness comes when we act in selfless and sacrificial ways? It is here that we look at today's scripture to find our answers. The rich young man in Matthew 19, 16 through 22, found himself in much the same circumstances as the king. He had many possessions. He had followed the law all his life, but he could not do the one thing that would bring him perfection and heavenly treasures selling all that he had, giving it away, and following Jesus. Now, I don't believe the Scripture is telling us that we have to be desolate in order to enter God's kingdom, but that we must place following Jesus as the top priority in our lives. When we put Jesus first, we make a total commitment to the way of life, where service and sacrifice are natural, and these acts are natural outpourings of our faith. Will we always be successful in our efforts? Probably not. Will we, with a desire to give selfishly, be in the forefront of our actions? Most likely. When we choose to follow Christ, it is about making our lives a gift to others by giving of our time, by giving of ourselves, and yes, sometimes by giving of our resources. Matthew, 20, Matthew six twenty one puts everything in perspective for us. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Success in life is not about ourselves. Happiness is not about our possessions. Happiness can be overrated, but contentment within us is priceless. Contentment can be found when we place our treasures in the hands of our Creator. Are our things our treasure? Is our identity what we treasure most? Is our status in the community among our top treasures? Or... Does our treasure lie within what we do with the things we have? Is God's kingdom glorified by our actions? Are we identified by the love we show to others? 
The king says, I may not look poor, I may look poor, but in my heart it is full and bursting, filled with memories of happiness I've given and received. I am the richest man I know. It is our actions toward others that bring us joy as a church and as individuals. We, have the fi- we can have the finest building. We can have the largest congregation. We can have the wealthiest bank account. We can accumulate the most possessions. But if our actions do not reflect the life of our Savior who gave everything away, including his life, then we are not contributors to God's kingdom. We will always be unhappy, empty, and constantly give, trying to find that one thing that will make things better unless we give it all away. Unless we give it all away to the glory of God and the building up of God's kingdom. As we move into a time of stewardship and business of budgeting for 2023, as we look forward to reallocating the funds that will be available after the debt is retired by the end of this year, may we discern ways God is calling Good Shepherd United Methodist Church to be in mission and service to our community. May we keep in mind that the blessings that we have come from God and that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. God calls each of us and Good Shepherd United Methodist Church to cheerfully give more than receive and to glorify God in all that we do. May we begin at at this moment to see others before ourselves, act in ways that uplift and better our community, and to love as Christ loves without condition and expectation in return. May we become like the king who who was influenced by a quilt maker to give from our abundance and claim our treasures among the joy we receive by making the lives of others better. As we come to Christ's table this morning, we come being given a gift, a gift that we don't receive, a gift that makes us the richest person in the world because it reminds us that God loves us. Now, are we worthy of this gift? Absolutely not. Can we do anything to get that gift? Absolutely not. Can we come in our brokenness and in our, in our emptiness to God's table? Absolutely. And you know what the best part is? Is that we're all invited. As bad as we are, as broken as we are, as human as we are, God invites us to this table. God invites us to come. Let us take a moment this morning to confess within us those sins and that brokenness that keep us from feeling like we're welcome at the table. Let us pray. Holy and awesome God, thank you. Thank you for the gifts that you give to us despite our our brokenness, despite our unworthiness, And despite our humanness, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to to be forgiven. To be forgiven from all of those things that keep us from you. From those actions or inactions that we do to those around us. And Lord, we just thank you for the forgiveness that you give. And may it cause us to offer forgiveness to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give our thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you and blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union in Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us. May, may we be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by His blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at His heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit, in your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Those who are assisting in communion this morning will come forward. This is Christ's table, and all are welcome. It's not the United Methodist Church's table. It's not Good Shepherd's table, but this is Christ's table. We will serve by intention this morning, which you will take a piece of bread, break it off, dip it in the cup.
The altar is open as always for you to spend some time there in conversation. We do have single serving options if you're not comfortable with intention. And we do have gluten-free. Come as you are able.
Lord, as we go from this place, may we go knowing we are loved and that we need to share that love with others. Amen. Amen. Go with God. You are dismissed.